La 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 la. Like a robot arm. Yeah. You do what you want. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, so so you know. <laughs> hey, everybody! It's Charlie here on the music show on WRBH. I'm here today with Mr. Joe Gelini. He is a drummer, and he's more than that. He's also a man who's sitting in front of me. And what a man he is! Uh, but let him tell you that. What's up, Joe? Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here on this lovely, lovely evening we've got. Um, how how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I've been uh, sort of back and forth uh, on tour and back in town for a few days and back out on tour and back in town for a few days. So that's sort of... Uh, you know, that's what I love about the summer in New Orleans is that uh, I get to play a lot out of New Orleans, actually, Ooh, and, yeah. and, you know, get get on planes and get in a van and do the whole deal. And leave during the miserable summer. Yeah, it's actually been pretty nice so far. Yeah, that's but, what I'm surprised. But, you know, it's, it's just nice to... What I love to do is just travel with my band, so... And what's your band? It's a band called Chawa. Chawa. I heard of them. Uh, tell us about them. What, Chawa what do you is, play? A, is a Mardi Gras Indian funk band that I started um, a few years back. And we just recently recorded our debut CD called Funk and Feathers. Oh, word. And... Um, it's really my, been my passion for, um, man, almost like 10 years now. Um, I started out playing with Big Chief Monk Boudreaux from the Golden Eagles. And wow. um, then from there, I started playing with the Wild Magnolias. I love the Wild Magnolias. Yeah, I was actually able, I was the band leader of both bands. For what a number of years, and uh, actually produced the last uh, Wild Magnolias record. It was Bo Dallas Jr. and the Wild Magnolias, and we had his dad on, and we had Monk on, and it was really uh, it was pretty special. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. It was just... So you've got a pedigree that checks out. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. I just I do it because I love it. You know, it's like when I discovered the Mardi Gras Indians, I was like, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. from a drummer's perspective, that's that's your primary uh, instrument. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. So from a drummer's perspective, how would you say that, um, or I guess what have you learned from from your experience with the Mardi Gras Indians? Um, oh, man, I've learned so so much. Yeah, you probably learned to play the drums. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me ask that a different way. Yeah. How about this? What's an important thing that you learned that you wouldn't have learned elsewhere about the drums? Um, basically, you know, the interesting part about playing with 
the Mardi Gras Indians and specifically going to like the source, like I would go and play, like I really learned how to play from Geechee, the original bass drummer. Uh, he was actually, he was in the Wild Magnolias and played bass drum in the Wild Magnolias, but he was also the person that was the first person to bring the bass drum into the Mardi Gras Indian street and stage arena, so to speak. So really, yeah. So he really developed uh, a style that was specifically his own and really wound up influencing like generations of drummers. And um, he would play every Sunday during like Mardi Gras season at uh, Honda Wanda's on second and dryads. And that's where they have uptown Indian practice. And, um, you know, I knew a few of the guys. And, in fact, I started out by, I went to Monk because I was playing for him. And I was like, give me more. What do I have to do? <laughs> and I how mean, old are you at this point? Yeah, uh, you know, probably 30. Okay. You know? Yeah. And, um, and he was like, oh, you got to go to, you got to go to Indian practice. <laughs> you know? I love Monk and the way he talks. You know, he's like, he's like, oh, you know, that's that's the real that's the real stuff. You know, <laughs> he might have said it a different way. Uh, yeah, yeah, potentially. <laughs> you know. So, um, man, I went out there, and uh, there were just some. I mean, it's like all the uptown Indians, and you, a Sunday night, and uh, you know, it starts probably in. Maybe it starts after Thanksgiving. It kind of, I guess, depends when it officially starts. But, um, you know, it goes all the way up to the last Sunday before, you know, like Baca Sunday before Mardi Gras Day. And it gets more and more packed every week up yeah. until Mardi Gras. And so all the Indians come up and they have a, you know, they have like one microphone and a PA system, kind of like a, uh, a whole open hall where the you know basically everybody comes in it's like it's like a big bar room and everybody comes in they go on the sides and then down the middle all the way to the door is where the different tribes practice their call signs and their singing and all of their traditional street stuff you know kind of getting their tribe you know, it's like a lot of like it goes from everything from like the like little kids when they're spy boys, like learning the tradition, right? And um, you know, I was just like blown away by it. So I went every Sunday and I played every Sunday, and um, you know, over the course of many years, I really was able to just kind of get you know kind of get the feel for it as much as I, I could, you know. Um, but Geechee was an amazing teacher, and uh, he plays in my band now, which is amazing. We played together at Jazz Fest this year, and uh, we have for the last few years. And, um, yeah, so I just, you know, you learn the way that the Indians start the songs and the beat that goes with it. It's... it's um, it it almost kind of sounds like simple because it's so repetitive, but there's something that you have to do very specifically, what the in the style of it. So right, it's it's precise. You know, um, in it, a, it's 
Precise with your looseness, loose with your preciseness. Yeah, like the the interesting thing, like uh, rhythmically, you know, not to get too technical, but like no, let's get technical. Let's uh, get that, technical. Yeah, okay, let's do all it. right, all right, cool. Um, so from a musical perspective, like how do I want to describe it? Kind of like the beat go is basically that um, that sort of like bambula influence, clave. You're New welcome Orleans. to beat on your chest or the yeah. chair over there, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. want basically, to give examples. Basically, it's kind of like where they go. Unane, 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 and they they fill. You know, the singers fill in. Right, and it's call and response rhythm, and it always. It always starts on beat four. So the you know, they'll say like shallow water oh mama, shallow water oh mama, shallow water oh mama. So it's always like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And a lot of times even musicians, yeah. even like really good musicians can't that get I played it. with, they just can't hear it. You know, because it's like because it starts on four, people think that's one. Right. It's one of those trips that you don't get out of. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, a gimmick to start a song, that like a rock song where it's on the one and two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got, I sort of learned it, um, it was like total feet to the fire because, um, you know, like Geechee, when he was feeling generous, would be like, oh man, you know, start this one off. Being in practice, that's got to be nerve wracking. Yeah, well, it's you know it is, uh, but when you do it, when you do it right, it's like I used to play at church. I used to what play, a rush! I used to play um, at Concord Baptist Church in Boston when I was uh, at Berkeley College of Music, and um, there's something about an entire congregation clapping the backbeat, and you're playing with it. I mean, there's something that just like it's a outer, you know, out of body sort of experience, and um, it's a very similar thing with the Mardi Gras Indians because it's, you know, there's chanting. It's a very um, spiritual, almost meditative, shamanist, shamanistic right. kind of. I don't know if that's a word, but ritualistic, you know, like, uh, meditative. I meditative, would almost say, yeah, uh, like out of body, transcendental. Yes, yes, yes. and. Um, you know, you could definitely feel yourself sort of like I've had experiences where I've been playing and, you know, whether it's on Mardi Gras Day or Super Sunday or whatever. And a lot of it has to do with, like, the fact that, like, you're exhausted and it's hot and you're <laughs> it's crowded and you're around, you know, like you're all shoved together. Surrounded. Yeah. And, you know, it reaches this fever pitch and you feel yeah. like, like watching yourself, you know, from... Right. Outside. So, so, but my, I guess to finish my point is that, you know, at church, when you had it right, it was like amazing. But when you got it wrong, everybody let you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing at Indian practice. Like, if you turned the beat around or if you started it wrong, yeah. It was like, start over. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, did they actually cut the record? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Totally no, like we're hook. doing that over. <laughs> and did they have somebody else do it instead? 
Have you have you screwed up and like they were like jet? You had one shot. You you bummed it. Totally. Go to the next person. Totally. But then the next practice, fell, they gave you a shot. They fell, broke you down, and then they beat. Fell flat on my face. But I gotta say, here's the thing that I, I have to um, really stress. Stress is that um, it's been an unvo- unbelievable experience of how open and welcoming and open-minded um, the people that I've played with have been with me, because I'm like. A kid from Connecticut. You're a Northeastern Yankee. Yeah, like Martha Stewart used to call the cops on our band practices. Really? From Westport, Connecticut. Westport, okay. Yeah. So so anyways, like I grew up in this environment that was like the and literally like the antithesis of New Orleans and the street culture of New Orleans. Like the Absolute opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, it was a great place to grow up, but I definitely was like, when I got to New Orleans, I was like, oh, I found it. Yeah. You know, like it found me. Right. And uh, so it, it's just been unbelievable to see how welcoming people would be to me because, you know, basically, I think the one thing that I just try to keep going with is like, I'm, I'm here to learn. And I still feel that way as I'm in New Orleans. Like, I did not grow up here. I moved here when I was, like, 22. But um, I love this city. I love the people in the city. I love the culture. I want the culture to – I want to add to it in whatever way I can or help preserve it in my own way or, you know, whatever I can do to to sort of, you know, add, add to it, hopefully. And um, – yeah, it's just been it's just been an unbelievable journey. So then to be able to translate that to like the other gigs that I've had and the you know just the whole New Orleans like the brass band second line vibe and I mean it's just been like an absolute uh, dream come true. Word. That so I'm not like inspiring. I'm not like you know like so it's funny because like when I got a chance to be in the Wild Magnolias with Bodalis and Monk, it was like, and, and got in the studio with them, it was like, I, I felt like I had gotten a gig with, like, the Rolling Stones, hmm. you know? Because yeah. they were, like, when I first heard the Wild Magnolias records, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, me too. This is it. And so, like, to get an opportunity to really work with those guys was just like mind-blowing right so it was like I, you know i might not be um playing you know arenas you know or anything like that but to be able to be a part of this journey is just like it's really been mind-blowing yeah and to be able to sustain yourself as a musician i think is more and more something that to be respected and a musician who's not playing arenas yeah, that they. I mean, it, the eradication of the middle class hit the musicians first, and that was probably seventy years ago. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. To be able to to be able to hold out a job, and be able to leave in the summers, and play to crowds that are clapping along, and digging it, that sounds like the dream. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it it is the dream, and 
And the cool part, really the, the coolest part about this is that I've had an opportunity to really watch this thing grow with Chawa because it started out like, you know, we were taking any gig we could get. And, um, yeah, tell us about when, when did the group start? Well, I started, you know, trying to do, you know, I was just so in love with the music. I wanted to play it more and, and we didn't have, I didn't have like, it wasn't like I was going necessarily going on tour with the Indians that I was playing with. So, um, I really just wanted any excuse I could to just play the music more. So Chawa was really born out of that. Let's of, take this act on the road vibe. It was just like, let's just, I just wanted, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, I just want more. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> how do I get more of this? It's not Mardi Gras. Uh, you know, Mardi Gras is over. How do I get more of this? And, um, you know, we just started kind of putting it together. And I was working with different people. And the lineup has changed, you know, many times. But I think that the the I think the roster that we have now is the best the band has ever sounded in, and the interesting part, tying it back to Monk, uh, who I really feel like is my mentor, yeah, Monk Boudreau, is his grandson, is singing for Chawa. Oh yeah, and he's got a great voice, unbelievable. Yeah, he he was hitting some notes, just just consistent. You know, like going all the way down on a yeah. part, like, and he had nailed the last note. And I was like, normally in a live recording, when there's so much fire in the air and it's so hot, right? That last note gets a little, you know. Yeah. But he he really was hitting it. Okay, so there are two singers on there. There's uh, Juwan who does does I think the majority of the singing. Okay. For for sure, and then there's also um, Irving Bannister. Uh, his nickname's Honey. And um, he did a few of the tracks on there as well. And, um, and some rhythm guitar, too. Oh, actually, that was his dad. Oh, that's Senior. Yeah, Irvin Senior is, like, he was one of the busiest and most working session guitar players in, like, the 50s. He actually, so the funny part about that track, Giacomo, is that uh, Honey and Honey and his dad... And Devel, okay, how do I want to say this? So Devel is um, Sugar Boy Crawford's grandson. Okay. Sugar Boy Crawford and uh, Irvin Bannister Sr. wrote the song Giacomo. The, ori okay. the original really? version, yeah. R back in the like 40s, the 50s, 50s yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, we, had, uh, we had Devel sing it, who was, you know, Sugar Boy's... Uh, grandson and we had Irvin senior play guitar and honey sing on it too so it was like the remaining parts of that you know uh the puzzle puzzle just came together that's incredible well let's give a listen to that uh let's listen to the Giacomo track on yeah. here yeah all right this is Giacomo as performed by actually some of the original writers and Chawa on their new release called Funkin' Feathers.
That was Giacomo by Chawa, and I'm sitting here with the band leader, the band originator, and the uh, drummer, drummer, percussionist, and background vocalist. Tell me about the background vocals. Is that just attributing to everybody that that the call and response, or is there? Yeah, um, I don't know how many drummers are out there that sing, but it's way more difficult than it looks. <laughs> I, w- I was just saying to somebody the other day that Karen Carpenter made it look easy. You know, she was actually a phenomenal drummer. That's what, yeah. Most people don't I, know that because the music that they played was sort of pretty straight known, up. known to be like very sort of medium tempo, like pop ballads and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. But I've seen some videos of her doing like Letting drum loose. solos. And she's like, I swear, she's like ripping. Really? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like you... Kind of can't believe your ears when you're checking it out, but yeah, she is. She bad. Yeah, for real. So, um, so yeah, singing and drumming is hard. So singing and I mean, here's the thing: is like when I started, I was like, oh, and by the way, Levon, rest in peace. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, he's speaking of one of the best singing drummers there was. I know. I mean, he was like he he was an amazing singer and an amazing drummer, and together I still can't like you know I, I would watch videos of him playing and I just kind of couldn't figure. You know, it's like his his style 
each thing just like worked in tandem. So the whole thing with, you know, playing with Mardi Gras Indians is that it's call and response. So um, you got to back up the singer who's singing because they're filling in the, you know, the parts of the chant. And um, so me being the band leader, I was like, well, no matter what happens, like somebody's got to sing the backup chant. So I took it upon myself to start learning it and to be able to sing and play and especially keep the tempo and the dynamics straight. Yeah, because the singing is where a lot of the, well, the drumming is where a lot of the syncopation happens, but the singing usually counters the drumming. That's got to be tricky. Yeah, I've I've heard, I had teachers at Berkeley that sort of like that used to make me um sing you know like like just be able to sing rhythms while i played and they were always like well it's like your third you know or your your fifth limb basically you know you have you play drums with both hands and both feet and then if you're singing it's like having another appendage to work with right it's a a form of another skill we call independence in drumming is or interdependence um we've been talking a lot about call and response so let's let's hear another with some call and response what you recommend uh, uh well i would say holdem joe would be a great one because that's the one traditional that we put on there where it's only um call and response and percussion those are my faves All right, this is Hold'em Joe, as performed by Chawan, their new record, Funkin' Feathers, on the music show.
was track six off the new record by Chawa called Funkin' Feathers, and that track was called Holden Joe. And I'm Charlie, and I'm joined here right now with Joe Gelini. Joe, what's your schedule like in the next 20 minutes? You got another 20 minutes to make this a two-parter? Yeah, sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going into overtime. All right. Yay. Because this is a good conversation. I like talking about... Um, I like how we, we can get into the weeds and back out again. I love a good encore. Encores are great. Better get that nana bowl. Better get that nana bowl. You got fire water now.